Welcome to Query, where we provide simple answers to your tech questions. My name is Micah Sargent, and of course, I am joined by my co-host across the vast and ever-changing internet. It's Stephen Hackett. How you doing, Stephen? You know, I think out of everybody I record with, you and I are actually the closest to each other, location-wise. <gasps> That's true. We're in the same time zone. That's not true for anybody else I work with. I love it when I've got a time zone buddy, because we here in the in the central time zone have to do so much time zone math, it's not fun. I just do everything on East Coast time. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. That's Set up a meeting or a call. I, I really wonder about mountain time, people. Like... <laughs> I don't think we have a single host on Relay who lives in Mountain Time. I don't know if it's I real. Think... I think it might not be a real thing. Anyways, time zones. This is what you came to query for. What what did folks come to query for? I don't know. Oh, we got questions. We have an AMA this week because in case you missed our announcement on the last episode, this is our last episode of Query. I want to thank you all for listening. We've done the show for a long time. It's gone through a lot of changes. Uh, including uh, Serenity and then Micah very graciously stepping into a role, which can be very difficult to do uh, to come into like an existing thing. But um, Micah, you've been a great co-host to me here on Query. And don't worry, we're not going away. <laughs> so we had this question of like where people can find us. Um, so Micah is the co-host of Clockwise, and which is here on Relay. It's every Wednesday where he and Dan Morin do four tech topics in 30 minutes, which I love Clockwise. I have listened forever i never miss an episode it's so much fun hmm. and micah you are also uh on the incomparable you want to talk about your shows over there yeah, yeah yeah uh so i do a show called somehow i manage over on the incomparable network it is a podcast i do with the one and only tiffany arment uh she and i are office super fans and so we are watching through the entirety of the office and talking about the episodes each week those come out on thursdays we record the show on mondays and uh have a lot of fun with that and um have have enjoyed you know people uh joining us in rewatching the office for you know what might be the 37,000th time for some of us yeah, i've seen a bunch of it <laughs> <laughs> and you of course are the co-host of connected and uh soon to be the co-host of another show eh? yeah so you can find me on connected every wednesday we talk about uh tech news it, it is mostly apple focused that that's kind of where we are every wednesday you can also find me starting in january on mac power users which is a show that has been around a really really long time and uh, david asked me to join him and uh, so that's going to start in january going to talk about uh Talk about nerdy stuff. That's actually in a, in a question a little bit later in the show. Uh, and you can find some, on some other stuff on Relay, but those are my two big shows moving forward. So if you like hearing us on a podcast, like we're not going away, uh, this this project, it was just time for it to wind down. So uh, I wanted to answer that right off the top. But we have tech questions, Micah. So this is a, a, a query episode, it means we tackle questions. And we have a doozy this week. Uh, and you did a bunch of research, so I'm going to ask you this question. Shane wrote in. Shane is traveling and uh, wrote in with this. I'm traveling from Australia to Hawaii in January for 10 days, which like thumbs up. Sounds like a good vacation. Yeah. Shane is looking for the best way to get cell data, either with a SIM or a personal hotspot. Uh, he'll be taking lots of photos and watching some Apple TV stuff. So like some stuff to do with that data beyond just like Twitter and Facebook. What is the way to go? Should I get enough data to back up to iCloud photo library while I'm there? Or just wait until I get free Wi-Fi, should do a SIM, personal hotspot. 
Micah, what did you find for us? Well, uh, my partner um, got a work and stay. I don't remember what it's called. It's some sort of visa that allows you to uh, work in another country and then also sort of like, I'm there to see things. Uh, and so he had planned to go to Australia for about six months. He's there now. Um, and the he's not staying for six months at this point. But, you know, in the beginning when that was the plan, it required having some knowledge about, uh, okay, how am I going to be connected? Because while there is Wi-Fi in in, you know, most places, uh, particularly in, you know, a place like Australia or here in the United States, you still might run into issues where you are without signal. Um, Australia, as I'm sure Shane would know, is a place that can that doesn't tend to have like super super fast internet i hear some of my aussie pals complaining about that uh and with my partner being over there that's been a bit of an issue with with getting connected but coming to the united states um we (laughs) for some reason seem to be like a wi-fi first country uh and (laughs) because of that it makes it a whole lot easier to uh, rely mostly on that. Uh, and so my, my advice for you to, to get started is to just say that I think that it is within, you know, your best, your best bet in terms of spending and in terms of saving and in terms of like stress freeness to go ahead and think about all of your opportunities for using Wi-Fi. Um, look at the airport that you're going to touch down in Hawaii at. Uh, look at the hotel or the hostel or wherever you plan to stay um, to see what they say for Wi-Fi. Look at the plane rides that you'll be taking to see if they offer Wi-Fi. It's a really good idea to do your research ahead of time. So it's only going to be 10 days, yes, but look for those amenities, look for those amenities across the whole kit and caboodle. Uh, for my partner who went to Australia, like he had Wi-Fi at all the airports here and had Wi-Fi on the plane for some of the time. Of course, you have to pay for that at, at times. And then when he touched down, had Wi-Fi at the airport. But when it came time to figure out how he was going to be getting to his hostel, uh, to pay for the car on the way, you know, on the way to, to get to the hostel, all of those things resulted in some, some struggles because of not having, uh, Wi-Fi access. And so it's kind of like downloading maps ahead of time. Um, so look at all of those things first. And then next, it's time to talk to your carrier. Don't, uh, necessarily, Look for a a temporary carrier. Talk to your carrier first and make sure they're giving you the right information. I say this because, again, with my partner, he went to – he was on AT&T, went to AT&T, and AT&T told him, yeah, there's no possible way um, that we're going to be able to help you with uh, with your trip to Australia. Um, you know, you're going to have, you're not going to be able to connect. And so if you want to unlock your device, you're going to have to pay off the rest of it. So he was doing like the AT&T next plan. He ended up spending like $700 to pay off his iPhone 10, uh, to unlock it so that he could use any SIM card that he wanted to. 
And uh, I didn't know that this had all happened. And so whenever he had already touched down in Australia and told me about it, I went online and it turns out he would not have had to unlock his phone. AT&T has some pretty reasonable plans for traveling internationally. So coming from Australia to the United States, that could be an issue with your carrier, but just start there and talk to maybe, maybe, you know, do some research yourself on the website and then also talk to your, your, you know, your local store or whatever about, Hey, I'm about to go to the United States. Here are the exact details. What are my options? Because you might end up saving money if you don't have to unlock your device. Now, when it comes to uh, whether you should get a SIM or a personal hotspot, here's where things can get a little uh, troublesome. If you get a SIM and you don't get the right plan, which typically will cost more money, you're probably not going to be able to use your phone as a personal hotspot. And that means that if you are in the hotel or wherever you happen to be and you're wanting to, you know, use your, your computer or use your Apple TV and you, like I said, you don't have Wi-Fi for some reason, which would be a little bizarre, but, and you're trying to connect over your phone, that's going to be an issue if you don't have that personal hotspot option. So you want to look into that as well to determine, okay, do I want to get a separate personal hotspot or do I want to go ahead and just get the SIM and let my phone kind of do all of the heavy lifting. And as far as the Apple TV goes or my computer, I'll just make sure I go to a Starbucks. I don't know. I'm sure Hawaii has lots of Starbucks like everywhere else. It's it's a plague. It spreads. Um, and, you know, just hop into there and be able to sit down and, and uh, hop on the Wi-Fi. Uh, being that you are in Australia, I don't know which part of Australia you're from, but uh, one of the things that my partner has run into there is he goes to uh, Starbucks, they give him a little card, he sits down, logs on to after he buys his drink, of course, logs on to the internet, types in this code, and it gives him only 60 minutes of Wi Fi. They're like, very <laughs> serious. You're you're done after wow. 60 minutes. Yeah, unless you buy another drink. So go into the internet cafe. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> go to, exactly. So Shane, you might be used to that kind of thing. But here in the US, we're pretty willy nilly freewheeling when it comes to connecting to the internet it's like oh yeah come sit for seven hours in our uh coffee shop and use our free wi-fi mm-hmm. nbd um so you're gonna find i have a feeling that wi-fi won't be too much of an issue for you here um and in terms of like doing data backup again if the wi-fi is available go ahead and use that so i guess my the the steps of the plan are uh, do all of your research for amenities for those 10 days to figure out all the places where Wi-Fi is going to be available. Talk to your local carrier and figure out what uh, they offer. And then once you've gotten to that point, you can sort of balance. Do I think that I'm going to be in a place where I won't have Wi-Fi access and should spend more to be able to have cellular service? Or is it going to be okay and I can kind of get by with just uh, the Wi-Fi in most places? And then when mm-hmm. you touch down in the United States, if you didn't have a good plan to go with your carrier, do not buy a SIM at the airport. And I know some people are going to disagree with me on this. However, when you buy a SIM at the airport, you're almost, you're almost guaranteed to be getting charged a premium because of the quote unquote convenience of it, as opposed to, you know, connecting to the free Wi-Fi, uh, paying for an Uber, getting to where you're going, and then going to like a local store, like a grocery store or something where they have those uh, pay-as-you-go plans, and you can get a SIM there and, and plug it in. But of course, 
That's where you also need to talk to your carrier and make sure that your phone is unlocked and able to work in the United States. So gather as much information as you possibly can is is my advice at the end of the day. And uh, know that the United States tends to be a lot more freewheeling when it comes to Wi-Fi access. That's all good stuff. You know, when we went to London this summer, I, I went through this sort of the other way around, right? Like, uh, and went to AT&T. You know, I just sort of assumed, well, I'm going to need to, you know, make sure the phones are unlocked and like get a threesome or something. And AT&T had a deal where <laughs> you basically can roam, you tell them what country you're going to. And, you know, it was a little bit more on the, on the cell bill, but I sat down and looked at that versus getting another SIM card, which I think the price wise, they were pretty similar, but the convenience of keeping my own phone number yes. was paramount. Mm-hmm. So someone could iMessage wouldn't explode and do crazy yes, things. It's like, been a nightmare. Yeah, so that that's something to to consider too. Your carrier they deal with people who travel, especially if you're coming to the U.S. I think they could uh, be really helpful in understanding what to do. But it's good to think about it now before you go. Yes, you, know, you don't want, yes, you don't yes, want to yes. land and be like, oh, my phone. <laughs> right? Yeah, so. internet here problem. And two, you yeah. don't want to end up getting hit with a huge uh, roaming bill or something like that yes. because of of the sort of clandestine rules that exist mm-hmm. somewhere in the, in the in the back of it. But yeah, I can't I cannot stress that enough the thing that you just talked about about the convenience of keeping your own phone number because I'm still not sure uh that when when uh my partner had first registered for his Australian sim, um he told me one phone number and like registered that through iMessage and all that thing and I started texting him via that and then he like went online to finish setup and for some reason the number changed. And I'm still, iMessage still thinks that the former number is his, and I still talk to him on that, but everybody else communicates with him via a different number. And when he has called me, it's from this other number as well. It's so confusing. It's, it's a nightmare. And like I said, he ended up spending like, $800 to unlock his iPhone 10 when he didn't need to because AT&T did have a good plan for Australia. And that was all because he listened to the uh, person at the AT&T place alone and didn't do his own research or better didn't talk to the tech dude that he happens to know <laughs> to get some mm-hmm. advice on that th- that kind of thing. So yeah, it it's uh, do your research, do your research, do your research. All right, we got much more to talk about, but first I'll tell you about our first sponsor. This episode of Query is brought to you by Pingdom, the company that makes website performance monitoring really easy. Everyone loves a fast website, right? And Pingdom is keeping your favorite sites online. Netflix, Amazon, Spotify, BuzzFeed, Slack, RelayFM. These are just a few companies who trust Pingdom to take care of their monitoring. Websites are really complicated, right? We're, we're, the days where I was sitting down at Dreamweaver in college and building a website, those days are gone. Now you have user registrations, logins, checkouts, and much more. And Pingdom cares about your users that they have the smoothest site experience possible through all of those different interactions. And when disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is the URL, and they take care of the rest. That's it. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial. Look, it's the end of the year. You can set this up now and run it through the end of the year and in January make a decision. And when you do sign up, use the code QUERY at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Again, that's pingdom.com slash RelayFM for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. My thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. 
Excellent. Now, last week we t- last week last episode we talked about my desk setup. Stephen, it's time to regale us with the details of your desk setup <laughs> and put your yourself out there to be critiqued and judged mm. by the internet. Congratulations! It's the best part of the internet, really. <laughs> So I, I think listeners uh, of this show or other shows will know that I have a studio at home, and so I have a, a building that's all mine just for work. And in the corner, I've got a desk that is made out of a door on some like El Cheapo I- Ikea legs. I think we mentioned this last time that I'm looking into raise and lowering one. And several people emailed me about that with suggestions, so thank you. Um, on that desk, though, is my uh, stock base model iMac Pro. So for a little history, I, for a long time, was like you, Micah. I had a 15-inch MacBook Pro hooked up to, to a display or two, and I wanted a computer to take with me everywhere. And when I settled into this studio, I realized it wasn't what I wanted anymore. I wanted uh, a desktop computer that could be hooked up to my audio equipment all the time and then have a, you know, like a 13-inch MacBook Pro for when I travel or need to work somewhere else. So I bought a, a 5K iMac years ago, and then about this time last year, Actually, it was this time last year. It was the very end of the year. I purchased the base model iMac Pro. And the reasons are pretty simple is, you know, doing the audio, like the, the audio doesn't push this machine. But I do on occasion, I know it doesn't look like that right now, but <laughs> on occasion uh, publish a series of YouTube videos in 4K. And for that, the iMac Pro just smokes even the 5K Retina machine. In uh, transcoding that and and doing all the stuff Final Cut has to do, so I really wanted something more flexible. Wanted something that could take whatever I threw at it. The the five K iMac I felt like I was stressing out really often, mm. and I'd hear the fan all the time, which was annoying. And the iMac Pro is just silent, and even like crunching big four K video files just does it just without any complaint. And that's the base model. I can't imagine what the wow. faster ones are like. Uh, so it's an expensive computer. It is not a computer for everybody. It's a computer that that I could justify because of work and the fact that I, I fully expect this machine to last me at least three years, and that that's the plan. Quote this when the Mac Pro comes out, I guess. But for now, <laughs> iMac Pro is, is plenty of machine for me. Uh, I use it with a lot of Apple input devices, actually. So I have the Magic Trackpad 2, the bigger one, uh, I have that on the left for like gestures and swiping and zooming and logic and final cut. I have in the middle uh, a magic keyboard too. So the one with like the light, these have the lightning port on the back for pairing and charging, which is really nice. I love not having to use double A's in keyboards and mice anymore. That feels so wasteful. Mm-hmm. These things are both rechargeable. This keyboard is maybe my favorite Apple keyboard of all time. And like I have lots of sample from here in my collection. I wish this keyboard was in the laptops. I wish it was everywhere. It's really good. I can type on it all day without any pain or trouble. Uh, I like that it's really slim, like low profile is really important uh, for ergonomic reasons, and it fits that bill as well. And then for my mouse, I use the now discontinued Logitech Performance MX. So I've tried the very popular Logitech Master, and like Master 2, and those I struggled with with some wrist pain. I had some pretty extensive nerve damage in my right arm several years ago. And I'm very sensitive to, especially in my right hand, like RSI issues. And this mouse works for me. Like I said, it's now discontinued. So I have the one on my desk. I have one I travel with and I have two more in box on a shelf in my office. 
I, I will use this mouse hopefully for decades to come. Uh, in fact, the one I use now, the the internal rechargeable battery is basically dead, so it's plugged in all the time. <laughs> it doesn't oh look my. like a wireless mouse, but it, it it fits my hand really well. Uh, it's really comfortable for for long periods of time. So that's my sort of computer setup, hardware wise. You know, I'm not using any external speakers. Uh, I do have like an external headphone amp and stuff for the headphones I use, but for me, the the when I just want to listen to music, like the iMac Pro speakers are really good way better than on the regular iMac and like years ahead of any notebook I've ever owned so I don't really feel like I have the need for speakers or even studio monitors uh, you know some people may raise an eyebrow at that as someone who does audio professionally but the iMac Pro gets by and uh, I edit using a pair of Sony headphones anyway so uh, so there's that um, no external webcam this thing has a 1080p webcam for like it's the only Mac ever to do that which blows my mind that they haven't been able to do this. All the notebooks are 720 still, I think. And the, uh, the MacBook is like a potato. So this is really nice. So that's, that's the, that's the hardware. Um, I'm going to include in the show notes, uh, a link on five twelve pixels that goes into a lot better detail about like the audio equipment and stuff I use. Uh, cause I could talk about that forever. Like just go check out that link. If you want to know like the interface and the microphone I use, it's all in there. Um, none of it, anyone should buy because it's all overkill but uh, <laughs> when it's your job you can justify it to your accountant uh you know you you spoke last time about the software you use and we're very similar in a lot of ways i use a ton of default apps on the mac like as i was going through this way more than i realized so i use mail Whoa. i use apple notes i use calendar i use itunes because i'm an apple music subscriber i use the photos app mm-hmm. I use, um, you know, the finder. I use a lot of utilities. Like I, I don't, you I have lots mail of third parties. And you use calendar. Tell me, yes. can I, I, yeah. Um, so have you used others and you just didn't like them in both mail and calendar or ha- is it just more like, well, I'm an Apple, you know, Stan. I know people hate that word. Uh, so <laughs> I, I just sort of stick with the basics. Tell me, tell me more. So for calendar, I used BusyCal for years when I had like a jobby job, but my calendar needs aren't that aren't that complicated now. Like I use iCloud for this stuff and that works really well with calendar. My wife and I have some iCloud shared calendars for the kids and stuff. I use Google Calendar uh, and like Google Suite at work and that works really well with calendar and Mike and I just send each other invites for things that we mm-hmm. need to know about. My calendar needs just aren't that complex and calendar works for that. Mail is a different story. I have used every third-party mail client on the Mac and on iOS, and all of them have fatal flaws. All of them have something that I can't stand. I'm not saying mail's good. I'm just saying mail's better than anything else I've tried. I do use SaneBox, which is like a RelayFM sponsor disclaimer or whatever. Uh, And SaneBox gives me things like snoozing and some like archiving stuff that that mail is – works really well with. And so I get those features in mail through sane box that mail doesn't have on its own. And it's integrated with the system and it works really well. And so mail I've, I've always used it. Like I, I always experiment with other things and I come back to mail. So there you go. Uh, there's a Gmail account set up in there. There's two Google suite, Google app accounts set up in there and it works, it works really well. So, uh, mail. Yeah, I know it's crazy. People think people always raise an eyebrow at that, but it, it works well for me. I also am currently using Safari. I've been a Chrome user for a really long time and 
the last couple of versions of Chrome have broken for me, at least the way I want autofill to work. So I do not like autofill in browsers. Like if I'm, if I'm in our like inventory system, I start typing an invoice number. I don't want to try to guess based on previous invoice numbers. Like I don't want it. Yes. And Chrome, the last couple of Chrome versions for me, at least uh, I can't turn that off. Even like the flag setting, I don't know what's wrong. And so I'm using this as an opportunity to try Safari again. I love it's okay. Safari. I oh, <laughs> I I love Safari. I've I yeah. I had to use Chrome when I used to uh, to work at the news company that I worked for, and I did not enjoy it. Um, and so whenever I you know went when I started working from home and started working for mobile nations and uh, working for myself and all of those things, I was able to switch back to Safari and it was a, a happy day for me. I'm yeah. with you on that. I do, I turn off all of those kind of autofill settings. Um, I want it. I will trigger those things if I want them to. And I mostly don't trust autofill to do the right job. So it's just mm-hmm. like with one password and I've got a keyboard shortcut for that. Yeah. So I'm trying Safari. We'll see how that goes. I've got some stuff that I need to use on a regular basis. It's a little buggy in Safari, so we'll see if I stick to it. Uh, past that, though, uh, for writing, I use Byword. I write in Markdown. Byword has a nice preview. Byword, it is still developed, but only really like compatibility releases. So I always fear that Byword is going to go away. In fact, in fact, right now, like if you have an embedded tweet in Markdown and you preview it, it like launches a 404 in the browser because like it doesn't handle JavaScript very well. Like Byword's kind of broken and at some point it's probably going to go away. So I, I need to find other things. I just haven't had the need to yet. Uh, so I'm using Byword for that. Task management is an omnifocus. I'm perpetually unhappy with my task manager. So <laughs> this will change at some point in the future, but it's an omnifocus for now. Uh, I record audio in Audio Hijack Pro, which is incredible. If you do any audio stuff on the Mac, go buy Audio Hijack Pro. It is really powerful. You can pipe audio in from different sources, route at different places. I have like four or five different templates set up for depending on what I'm doing and who I'm recording with. It's really great. I don't think I know about Audio Hijack Pro. What is the, I, I've mm. only known of about Audio Hijack. What's Audio Hijack Pro? Uh, they used to be that? separate. I think they've combined them now. Okay. Uh, and in fact, actually, the app is called Audio Hijack, so they've dropped the pro. So that's okay, just I was old. like, "What? There's yeah, a there's a pro hijack. version? <laughs> audio Hijack? Uh, if there was a pro version, I would buy it because it's wonderful. Uh, just Audio Hijack. Unlike you, I edit in Logic. I don't edit in Audition. I do some volume matching and some some noise cancellation in Audition, but then I edit in Logic. That's mostly just out of habit. Uh, I have considered moving to Audition. In fact, I did for a short period a couple of years ago. Logic had this really nasty export bug for a couple of releases. And I did probably like two months worth of shows in Audition, but never felt comfortable there. I hope that Ferrite comes to the Mac, uh, which is a really cool iPad and iPhone audio editor. If that comes to the Mac with Marzipan, that's what I'll use instead of Logic. Because Logic is like a music creation app. And I'm using 4% of it for podcasts. And I have like all this stuff turned off. And it just is very bulky for what I need, but that's what I've used for years. And so for me, podcast production is about speed and I can do it very quickly in logic because I have what I need in logic basically just wired into my brain. So changing is a really big deal. So I'm still using logic and uh, I create MP3s with forecasts, which I think we also talked about last time built by our friend Marco Arment. It's a really great MP3 
uh, creation utility. You can do chapters. You can do chapter art, links, all this stuff. And it's so smart about like popping in uh, URLs that you've that you've used in the past, mm-hmm. and being smart about uh, numbering like what podcast episode it is. And oh, I just and, so and it's good. these these small things that aren't necessarily mentioned, and it's just this delight that exists. Yeah. And I appreciate those things. And when you publish four or five shows a week, those little touches really make it faster and right. more reliable, which is which is great. Uh, so uh, forecast has been a huge part of my workflow since it was in beta. Like I said, there's other stuff on that gear page on five twelve pixels, so go check that out. And um, so that's it. You know, it's a lot of professional stuff, but I'm a professional audio guy now, and uh, it means that it's more expensive than it, than, than it has to be. But um, that is what it is. I do have a MacBook Pro and an iPad Pro that I use for other things, but not at my desk. So they're outside the purview of this interview, I think. Yeah, <laughs> but they're out there floating around doing stuff. They're, they're somewhere. They're hanging out. You know, it's uh, they're they're holiday shopping. Yeah, they're charging right here. <laughs> oh, oh, got it. Uh, my question for you. Um, so you talked about all the fun stuff that is, you know, the necessary. Uh, and sometimes it's unnecessary, but still used for for work type things. Uh, tell me about how you decorate or adorn your office. Do you have any plants, fake plants, uh, figurines, stickers, lights? Like, tell me about the the not important stuff. Uh, there, there, there are. There's a bunch of that stuff. So uh, I've got some Lego sets. I have a Lego space shuttle. I've got some like fake like coffee cup size plants from Ikea that are nice in the background of photos and video stuff, you know, just to have some color. Yeah. Uh, it's basically the fake Ikea plant you see. <laughs> I've got it, like three of them. Yeah. <laughs> you see in any YouTube video. Like, anytime I go to Ikea, I just buy one because they're like $4 and they quickly, uh, they quickly multiply. They're everywhere now. Um, <laughs> like tribbles. Yeah. I, I also have uh, a pretty sizable computer collection. <laughs> There'll be a link in the show notes. So that is sort of next to my desk. Uh, and you can see that there is just a lot of stuff there. Way too much to talk about. But I like having um, I like having those things around. So they are there. And it is nerdy. And that's just who I am. <laughs> it's just who I am, Mom. Yeah. So, <laughs> Love so it. That's in there. I put that in the, in the show doc if you want to look at that. But there's quite a few things there. Quite a few things. All right. Well, yeah, those are, uh, those, that's the only question I had. I was curious about how you, how you decorated things, how you made things look nice. And you do have hue lights in your, in your office, right? I do. So I have uh, a lamp on either side of the desk that, uh, has, uh, they've got just the, they're just the white bulbs that change temperature. Mm-hmm. I just have them basically so I can turn them on and off, uh, via automation. The shelving that the collection is on has hue light strips. Uh, so I can light those up usually just in white, but sometimes I will change those colors uh, depending on what's going on. And then I have uh, a couple of lamps with hue lights in them for accent colors and stuff. Again, for photos or videos, things that I may be doing that I want a little color in the background. Excellent. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that takes care of my questions. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of stuff. It's amazing what you can fit into uh, a really small space if you have to. All right, so we're going to do a very special speed run. But first, I want to tell you about our second sponsor. And that, my friends, is Away. Away is the perfect gift for everyone on your holiday list. Because we all travel. We all find travel 
sort of frustrating. You have to do all this stuff. And a part of that is the suitcase, right? Your luggage shouldn't cost more than your plane ticket. And it should be smart. It should give you the thing you need most when you're traveling, which, of course, is just more battery life. When you buy an away suitcase, you can charge all your devices while you travel because they're carry-on, both sizes of the carry-on, feature USB ports with a battery large enough to charge your phone five times from a single charge. And the battery comes out. So if you need to check the bag, you can do that. Or if you're like me, once I get to my location, I take the battery out and I put it in my backpack. And now I have a portable battery with me. Go to awaytravel.com slash query to browse away suitcases featuring premium German polycarbonate, which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance, but still super lightweight. They come in ten over 10 colors and five sizes. They have the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium, the large, or the kids carry-on for the smaller travelers among us. And they cut out the middleman so you can get first-class luggage at coach prices. Away suitcases have a patent-pending compression system, which is great if you're like me. I'm an overpacker. This is something about me. Uh, and uh, you can strap all this stuff down. And it has four 360-degree spinner wheels to make blasting through the airport a breeze. Away's carry-ons are compliant with all major U.S. airlines while maximizing the amount you can pack. Have TSA combination locks built in, which is really great. And they feature a removable, washable laundry bag so you can separate your clean clothes from your worn ones. I've got a couple of away suitcases now. I mentioned earlier in the episode, I went to London this summer. I had a carry-on, and then we had the large that my wife and I split. And the large is a pretty sizable suitcase, right? But those spinner wheels made it really easy to navigate out of the airport, Mm. onto the train, onto the tube. Very, very easy. Because those wheels, there's just a lifesaver. You you can't go back to a suitcase with just two wheels or or wheels that don't spin. You just can't do it. I've got some travel coming up uh, in March and then again this summer. And the Away suitcase will be at my side. The best part is Away believes in the quality of their products. That's really important to me as a consumer. And they offer a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks, they'll fix or replace it for life, period. They also have a 100-day trial with no question asked return policy with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states. Because this season, everyone wants to get away, you should go to awaytravel.com slash query, use the code query at checkout, and you get $20 off any of their suitcases. Once again, that's awaytravel.com slash query and the code query for $20 off. Thank you so much to Away for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, it is time for the final speed run. We're going to start. It's a wacky one. There's some weird stuff in here. There's some serious stuff in here. There's also like seven of them that just keep expanding. Uh, we're going to start with a question from Brian. It's not a question. It's a hypothetical situation. Uh-huh. You're offered $200,000, but you cannot use the internet for an entire year. How would you keep yourself occupied? I love this question because in my mind, this gives me the opportunity to do something that I've always wanted to do while also sort of... Um, Oh, what sort I'm looking for? Like disconnecting. Uh, I can, I can be away from the internet and just focus on running a dog rescue. Um, I, like, I know $200,000 is not a whole lot of money. So I would be very practical about it. Like I would find a way to, uh, secure, you know, it'd be like a small little place as far as the house goes, but with, with, uh, with some land. And, uh, I would, I would run a dog rescue. Um, and, you know, in terms of, of being able to, 
help people find these dogs and, and uh, take them into their homes so these dogs can find families. I guess I'll have to, I don't know, call someone else and have them do the internet part of it. But <laughs> I love the idea of just like being surrounded by a bunch of dogs that need love and want to give love. And I don't have to see sad things on Twitter the whole time that I'm experiencing it. That sounds incredible. It's just a year of, uh, of, of self care and puppy love. Oh, that's, that's just like, that's heaven. What about you, Steven? My answer is decidedly less adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I could tell you, I'd be way more present with my family, Mm -hmm. which would be awesome. Uh, I think I would use the time, so like for me and for you, right, this means no job, right? <laughs> like yeah. My wow. living is on the internet. So that's weird. I would uh, – I think I would focus on health in a way that I haven't really been able to this year as much as I wanted to. Uh, I think I would also focus on my writing. So not – obviously not writing about tech or not writing for work, but writing for me. I, that, that wouldn't be fiction necessarily, but I think it would be uh, some other types of work that – I used to do more of, and frankly, it's sort of fallen away. Uh, so it's like some more, some more creative work uh, that is offline would be, it'd be a nice thing to be able to fit in. And this question makes me want to fit it in more in 2019. I'm not leaving the internet for a year, but <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> not doing that. Uh, no way. But you know, it's an interesting question. Things that you would add back to your life. And then the question of why don't you just do it? You don't have to have $200,000 in a hypothetical situation to change something. That's so. true. So I look, I look forward to your side project of a dog rescue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll just uh, do that on the side. It'll be great. Yeah, uh, that <laughs> seems like a total part-time thing you can do. <laughs> uh, I love it. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next question, which comes from Jim. And this is specifically for you, Stephen. What are you looking forward to in terms of joining MPU? That's Mac Power users, if you don't know. It's uh, that's a great question, and it's it's – there's many answers. I'm really looking forward to working closely with David Sparks, who's the co-host of Mac Power Users. David and I have been friends for a long time. We met at Macworld, I think 2011 for the first time, uh, maybe 2010. And, you know, he was already Mac Sparky and I just had like a little blog and oh, really wasn't podcasting. And he was really uh, encouraging in what I was doing. We had ice cream together, and we've been friends ever since. So working with him closely already, because we've been planning this for a while, has already been really, uh, really great. Um, I'm also looking forward to doing like really deep dives into topics. So, so like some of what we've done on Query, but even deeper. So MPU does these great episodes. The one this week was about iOS, like hidden tips and tricks, like stuff that you didn't know you could do with iOS. That sort of stuff is really fun to really get into a subject, wade in deeply and talk about it for an hour and a half. That's a lot of work, but it is really sort of rewarding. But it is uh, something that I don't get to do many places because, you know, Connected is very news focused. We do it on Liftoff Some, which is a show about um, space that Jason and I do. In fact, the episode that went up this week um, was about Apollo 8. And so we spoke for about 40 minutes about that mission, about the first time we sent people around the moon. And so that sort of like deep dive stuff I really enjoy. Um, And lastly, like getting to know the MPU audience. Mac Power Users is an institution. It's a show that has a different audience to something like Connected. And there are people there who don't know me and there are people there who I don't know. And getting to know them already, like the MPU forums has been really great. And I look forward to um, 
expanding that through some, some, some new things we're planning. So, uh, I'm just, I'm really excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited to, uh, hear how, how the show develops. I, I've, I've done this twice now. Um, joined a, joined a show that once had another co-host and it's, it's always fun to sort of be part of that experience and feel how the change happens and sort of like get into the flow with the other person and figure that out. And, um, I don't know. There's something unique about that experience versus launching a whole new show together. And I think that that goes for both uh, the folks who are involved in it. And then of course the, you know, loyal listeners out there and how it changes for them as well. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. Time for a funny one again. Joe asks, if you were a baked good, what baked good would you be and why? I love pie with... (laughs) Every part of me. When I found out that I was gluten intolerant, um, at first my heart was broken because I was thinking about, you know, different things that I wouldn't be able to consume. And for them, I've talked about before on different podcasts about how, like, 95% of the time and 95% of things, food, like, food items are not interesting to me. I don't really get joy out of eating for the most part in in most ways. And like food is a very practical thing for me. It's about making sure I'm full rather than like, you know, going and getting some a five star, a five, whatever, how many Michelin star restaurant spaghetti is the same to me as um, a, a bowl of Cheerios in terms of what, you know, as long as they fill me up and give me energy, then I'm, I'm good. But there are a few items that do not fall into that category of practical reaction. And pie is one of those things. Um, so if I was going to have to be one of these, one of these baked goods, then I definitely would be a pie. And I think that, uh, that it also is sort of, uh, you know, if I, if I try to like tie some sort of metaphorical point to it, the interesting parts of me and sort of like the, the warm internal parts of me that I want to, uh, share with other people and make other people feel happy and good are not that far from the surface for me. And so if I, if I trust you and, and maybe even if I don't trust somebody, like I, I don't know all the listeners out there, but I'm not afraid to, to share things about myself with them. And so, yeah, I've just got like a nice thin flaky crust on the outside of my personality. <laughs> and then the, the warm, uh, fruit filling is not that far away from the surface. <laughs> wow. Uh, I can't tell if that's beautiful or creepy, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's a little bit of both. Steven, yeah. what about you? What baked good are you? Uh, you and I have similar, actually very similar takes on food. I have gluten issues as well as other things. So I actually don't eat a lot of baked goods, but my wife makes a gluten and dairy-free pineapple upside down cake, which is spectacular. And uh, actually, I've, I've requested it for Christmas. And uh, so I'm going to go with pineapple upside down cake because – uh, I guess, you know, you said you have like this, it's like sweet, soft, gooey center. I try to suppress mine as far as possible with pineapple upside down cake that's under the crust. So we'll go with that. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah. Uh, I think that, um, finding out that I can make so many things gluten-free has been one of the, yeah. the most, uh, wonderful experiences for me in terms of like appreciating food as, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being a practical thing. 
Um, my partner decided to uh, write it a question, and it makes no sense. But here we go. Uh, Luke asks, <laughs> is ketchup something you can talk passionately about for four minutes? <laughs> Stephen Hackett, is ketchup something you can talk passionately about for four minutes? No. <laughs> Uh, I have to say, when I saw in the show notes your response to this question, I was like, I cannot wait for the delivery because coming from Steven, it's going to be perfect. Uh, yeah. So, uh, the thing is, I can, I, I did debate, uh, way back in the day and I've done like theater and I worked as a, a, a news reporter, an anchor, and then later on an entertainment news reporter. Um, and then since then, like, do podcasts and do ad reads for podcasts. And so you can give me a topic and I can talk passionately about it for four minutes, no matter what it is. I think I'm talking passionately about something right now for four minutes before we even get to the question. Um, I don't have terribly strong feelings about ketchup in general, uh, but I could go on and I'm not going to about how it's incredibly uh just it's it is basically a sugar sauce there's so much sugar in ketchup um it was made that way because they were trying to find a way to preserve ketchup uh so that it would have longer shelf life and they decided that adding sugar would do that because that works for some foods um since then they've come out with reduced sugar ketchups which have a lot less sugar but it's no wonder that so many people love ketchup because essentially they're just uh, might as well be guzzling a bag of of sugar. It's it's practically the same thing. So yes and no. Um, that, was that four minutes? I don't think that was four minutes. I, I don't think anyone wants to hear me talk about ketchup or not talk about no, ketchup for four minutes. I, I, I don't want to hear it for four. No, no, no. Neither do I. All right, Rick wants to know about the your the personalities and the names of your chihuahuas. Uh, thank you, Rick, for this question. Um, so I have two two chihuahuas, uh, Mizzy and Henry. Henry is a full-bred chihuahua. Mizzy is a chihuahua rat terrier mix. And that actually does do um, – the rat terrier does a good job of informing Mizzy's personality. Uh, I feel like a lot of people, when they talk about chihuahuas, they're always like – you know, people who have them, they're like, no, my chihuahuas are different from other chihuahuas. And then you meet them, and they're really not, which is to say that they're, you know, a little yappy, a little uh, ankle-bitey and – those kinds of things. And they're, you know, shaky and scared of everything. And there's a joke that chihuahuas are like super vicious, um, which I've seen. When I say genuinely that my chihuahuas are not, are not like other dogs, I swear that it's true. Henry is the most laid back dog that I have, uh, that I've ever like met or, or, you know, hang out with or, or what have you. He's a very, very laid back, uh, dog. And if he had like a, if he had a voice, he would have, a very posh British accent, and it would be a deep voice, I'm almost certain. Um, and he'd be kind of judgy <laughs> and just sort of like mm-hmm. sit in his overstuffed leather chair and talk about uh, things these days. And yeah, that's his personality. Mizzy, on the other hand, being part rat terrier and then chihuahua, it gives her just like a double dose of anxiety. So she's a very high energy, very um, shaky and... Uh, sort of, sort of a scaredy dog. Um, but it's really adorable whenever she does trust you because she's got the, the little short bobbed tail of a rat terrier. And so in order to wag her tail, she has to wag her whole rump. And so when <laughs> she gets excited, her whole, the whole back of her starts wagging. However, one of the coolest things is 
because she's a rat terrier, that's the, you know, these dogs were specifically bred to find and destroy rodents. And that comes through in my dog so much. And it's fascinating seeing her go from a pretty anxious dog to suddenly what might as well be the incredible Hulk mixed with like, I don't know, a wolf that's on the hunt because she turns, like she gets, she bulks up. She, uh, starts sniffing really loudly. Her ears perk up. Her tail goes up and it's, it's wild watching her whenever she's, uh, seen, seen mice or rabbits or other things. And, on several occasions, like a cat would do, she has presented her catches. And I will say that one time she caught a, a black, a black looking, I don't know what kind of snake it was. It was a non poison, oh. non venomous oh, snake. No. She caught a snake and killed it. And it was longer than she was. And I was like, who are you? You wild animal. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's pretty cool. Henry's pretty cool. Henry's chill. She's not. And, uh, I will stop talking about my dogs. <laughs> uh, you can, you can go to Instagram and look up Micah Sargent if you want to see more about the dogs. Cause Rick did say, if you want to include some, uh, links in the show notes. So yeah. Um, let's go to the next question, which comes from Elizabeth. Elizabeth wants to know what is the weirdest tech problem you've ever run across? Stephen, we'll start with you. I had to really, really think hard. about this. Uh, but one, maybe two came to mind. Uh, the first one is I had a, this was after I left the Apple store. So I was like just consulting and I had a client who had a, I think a power book, some notebook. And when it was on her desk, it would sleep just fine. She put it to sleep be fine she put it in her bag and basically every time she'd get to her destination and the laptop would be awake and hot the, the lid was still closed fans were going and weird stuff had happened sometimes like windows would be open or documents would be closed and she's telling me this and it took me a little while but i finally came up with what it was she was she was like me and would use a mouse a lot and she would remember like the mighty mouse uh-huh. before the magic mouse yeah had a switch on the bottom turn it on and off and she would often forget to turn it off and so she would be walking around with this mouse and laptop in her bag and the mouse would get jostled or clicked and it would wake the laptop up but the laptop was closed so it couldn't breathe it get hot. And I showed her, hey, just turn the mouse off, and it solved the problem. Wow. And I felt, I felt like a genius. And um, You lived up to the name that day, huh? Yeah. And so that that may be the weirdest, just because, like, it partially because the answer just came to me. Like, oh, it wasn't, that's nice. You know, yeah. It's like, oh, I know what this is. Uh, you know, there's lots of other stuff, too, right? Like uh, an iBook uh, G4 that's optical drive was full of, like, credit cards and, like... <laughs> tiny toys from the kids just stuffing things into it i love that um, that's terrible and i love I had it. to take the ibook apart and then take the optical drive apart they're like coins in it you know it's like all sorts of stuff she's like it makes weird noise i'm like yeah because you got a party going on your optical drive but uh you know there's all there's all sorts of stuff right there's um there's always like weird software stuff but uh the the mouse in the bag it was kind of like my house MD moment. You know, sometimes in house, he just has the idea because the plot needs to have him, needs him to have the idea. Yeah. Kind of like that. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> Steven, house MD. That's yeah. great. 
Uh, yeah, this was a this was a tough question for me because yeah, there are plenty of small things, and it's like, is this weird? I don't know. It just sort of once you get the answer, it makes sense. Um, so the one that I came up with um, is more like a weird solution that I came up with to the problem. Uh, back in high school, I did a web show with some of my friends, and we I think we posted like every week, uh, and. I was the one who uh, produced the show. So I, you know, I edited it and um, shot it and that kind of thing. And uh, so we, you know, we would go and record somewhere and then I would take the footage and, and edit it together. Well, uh, I had gotten, I think is like my, I think it was my entry into high school. So sort of middle school graduation present um, was a laptop. Um, it was like a Dell Inspiron, you know, run of the mill, you go to Best Buy and purchase it kind of laptop. Yeah. Um, and I had been, I think that that was like my senior year that I did the web show with friends of high school. And so I had had the laptop for, uh, several years. So it was already sort of, it was an older laptop. And again, it was, like an Inspiron model, but I was putting it through its paces running uh, Adobe Premiere Pro to edit on it. And I kept having this issue where I'd be, you know, sitting, the, of course, the laptop had to be plugged in the whole time, because by that point, the battery was like, I'm not working with you anymore. Um, and so I would have it plugged in, I'd be editing the the show, and, you know, in Premiere, clicking around, getting everything working, yada, yada, yada. And it would start to overheat and instead of doing like a really nice um uh like graceful shutdown process of like hey it's getting hot okay now i'm suddenly very hot uh i'm gonna go ahead and tell you you should probably save your stuff because i'm gonna need to shut down soon i'm gonna let you finish but first i need to shut down and cool off uh no this just decided to every time just power off randomly just boop it was, it, it, you would hear the sound. It would make that sort of like television noise sound. Like when you turned off old TVs, that pew. Yeah. yeah, it would make that sound. And I'd be like, no, uh, it would just mess up. I would log back in and have to start over on the stuff. And so, of course, I started saving all the time, but that was still not ideal. And sometimes I'd forget to save. So what I started doing, um, I laid out some blankets on the floor uh, in my kitchen, in my mom's kitchen, um, it, you know, it was a tile floor, so it was already kind of cool. And I placed my laptop directly over one of the vents in the kitchen on the floor that pumped uh, AC through the house. And so mm. in order to keep it from overheating, I would sit on the floor for hours upon hours and um, editing the show depending on you know our on the length of the episode the one that like really got me was where i had to do some motion tracking because we were i needed to block out some license plates and so i was on the floor for like hours upon hours uh having to do keyframe editing to block out the license plates but the ac was running it kept the laptop cool the laptop didn't shut down and uh yeah i did that for a while and i finally bought some uh new thermal paste for the processor, put that on there. And um, that helped for a little while. But again, it was just it was just an old laptop. And I'm running this like, <laughs> premium software on this tiny little processor. Yeah. It was a, mess. <laughs> a Rube Goldberg machine of cooling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, oh, that's, that's something. 
Yeah. I was like, no, no, can you come over here? No, I can't. I've got to stay right here, I actually. Have to sit <laughs> right here if I move even an inch. And I'm sure that really was great for all sorts of posture issues. Oh, and like yeah. Wrist strain oh, yeah. and everything. So great. thank goodness I was, uh, m- you know, f- far younger and more spry at the time. And it was like at the start of my, uh, really heavy computer use. So I got that out of the way early. <laughs> yeah. That'd be bad news now. Indeed. Uh, yeah. That looks like it's, you know, we, uh, we got several questions and, um, I, I even put out the call for some, some last minute questions. And so thank you all for, you know, those of you who sent those in, uh, we tried to hit them all except for Dan Morin's question, um, because he wanted to know who our favorite co-host was and that's a recipe for disaster. So sorry, Dan, we didn't get to yours, but, uh, Steven, that's the end of the, the speed run. Wow. And with that. The end of query. Whew, that's serious sounding, but it's, that's where we are. Uh, so we have a bunch of links in the show notes uh, where you can find us. Um, we're not going away. It's just the show. So we'd love to have you check out some of our other work. Um, you can find Micah on Twitter at Micah Sargent. You can find me there as ISMH. We have links to our other shows, our Instagrams, all sorts of stuff in the show notes. And for the, uh, for the final time on query, Micah, say goodbye. Goodbye. Adios.